discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified. Praise the Lord. You are welcome to this morning's service once again. I know you are being blessed. I know you are learning so many things. I know that God is you know, elevating you and causing you to increase on every of your life. Hallelujah. This morning we are going to continue with what to do with the first coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Lord came on a certain day and he's going to come on another day. But before he comes, he's expecting you to do something with his first coming. And we've been discussing it. We've spoken about awakening to the fatherhood of God. And we spoke about awakening to the reality of, the, of your spiritual growth. You know, knowing and being conscious of the fact that you shall be presented to him on a certain day. And you're supposed to be presented as a matured son or daughter of God. Hallelujah. And I, I shared with you six factors for spiritual growth. And uh, I think we went through it over and over. Did so many wonderful things along, the, along that line. The last thing I mentioned was to was rest, isn't it? Sleep. You must sleep. You must, you must learn to rest in Christ. Learn to rest in the finished work of Christ. Hallelujah. I want to show you something briefly about that before I continue with what I want to share with you today. You know, something concerning Ruth. If you read in Ruth chapter 2, verse 17, if you've read the book of Ruth before, you see the story. Naomi had lost everything. And uh, Ruth was one of her daughters-in-law. And she returned from Moab to Jerusalem back with her. Hallelujah. And when she came back, they needed food for survival and all of that. So Naomi sent Ruth into out to go and, you know, glean the fields. You know, those times they could, you could glean the fields of a rich man's farm. You could go to a rich man's farm and take, when they harvest, do their harvest, they don't take everything. They leave some so that poor people can come and come and take some. Or anybody who is passing by can just have some. Isn't that amazing? I think it's something we should adopt in this life, in our time now. So she, she came to come and gather, you know, and she worked throughout the day. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 17, it says, So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out that she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. So an ephah of barley. An ephah of barley could take care of a, a family for 10 days. You could live and survive on, a, on an ephah of barley for 10 days. And she worked the whole day. The Bible says she worked until evening. She was working and working and working. And throughout her work, she was able to gather one ephah, which was for 10 days. Then when she came back, the mother-in-law told her, uh, she mentioned who it was, that who it was whose, whose field she had gone to glean from, as Boaz. And Naomi said, oh, Boaz is actually my kinsman, my husband's kinsman. Um, he can even marry you. Uh, you know, there's something called the kinsman redeemer where, okay, not, not for today, let's, let's continue. So, 
She told her that she should go back. She told her what to do. She should go back and rather, instead of working this time around, she should go and go and rest at her feet, at Boaz's feet. And look at the results of what happened when she went to rest at Boaz's feet. Ruth chapter 3, verse 14, all the way to verse 17. And she lay at his feet until, until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. So that bring the veil that is around you, and hold the veil like this. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. Wow, can you imagine? For resting at Boaz's feet, she got six measures of barley, six ephah, which, which was for six, you could feed on that for 60 days. The other time, she worked the whole day and had just one ephah. This time around, she just rested at the feet of Boaz. This is just letting you know that what you will get through rest, you will not get through work, ever. What you, can, what you work for cannot be compared to what you receive from God through your rest or your trust in God, through your faith in his finished work in Christ. Hallelujah. So it's in your own interest. Know that it is all done. Everything is done. Know that there's an endless supply of prosperity. There's an endless supply of health. There's an endless supply of wisdom, of grace for you. And that no matter what it is that you're going through now, it is already done. Hallelujah. So that you can start thanking God. You see, that is the rest that we have. It's called the rest of faith. You see, the rest that is appropriated through faith. So you know that that exists. God has done all these things already. Therefore, you are ready to put your faith to work to receive what God has done already for you. Hallelujah. So this morning, I want to share with you concerning the third thing that we should do with the first coming of Christ. Okay, the third thing that we should do with the first coming of Christ. The third thing is to awaken to the fact that you are a servant of God. Awaken to the fact that you are a servant of God. Up until today, some people are asleep along this line. A lot of Christians, it is sad that a lot of Christians have no clue that they are servants of the Lord. At our new birth, we become servants of God. I mean, how do you receive Christ? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10, when it shows you how we receive Christ, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Have you seen it? He says that if you shall confess with your mouth, what? The Lord Jesus. The word Lord, there is owner. That's verse 9. Okay, go back to verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, if you confess his lordship, his ownership, his mastery over your life, not his fatherhood, but his lordship, over your life. Jesus is Lord over all things and he's Lord over our lives. The day we become born again, he becomes the Lord over our lives. I don't know if your phone tells you what to do. I don't know if your house decides what to do. What would you do if you got home and your kitchen decides that I'm not interested in being in this house anymore? So your kitchen removes itself and starts walking to your neighbor's house. What will you do? What if your, your toilet seat decides that I'm not interested in this, I'm tired of seeing some things, I'm, I want to move. So your, your toilet seat you know, approves itself and comes to the hall that I want to be in the hall where everybody is to come and watch TV. I've not been seeing what's happening in, in the country. I want to come and see. What will we do? You know, that's how most of us behave as children of God. We've forgotten that we made Jesus the Lord of our lives. So a lot of children of God are just mapping their own life. 
and doing whatever they want to do. When they've made Jesus their Lord, Jesus is not your Lord, and he decides how things should go in your life. Okay? As sons or children of God, remember, we are made children of God at our new birth, isn't it? As children of God, we have rights. God has made things available for us. I've told you. We have rights in Christ. We have a right to health. We have a right to wealth. We have a right to prosperity. We have a right to, health, uh, to, to wisdom, to knowledge, to understanding, to righteousness. All those things are your rights. They are things that God has made, has provided for you. And as I was talking about it, the Holy Spirit is in our lives to help us journey towards those things. Okay? But imagine a country where people only have rights and do not have responsibilities. What will happen to that country? What will happen to a home where the children only have rights? They are not exposed to responsibilities. There will be a problem. There will be a problem. So in the kingdom of God, we have rights in the kingdom of God. We have come unto Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. All these are our rights. We have access to angels. We have access to all good things, every good thing that you can think about. In Ephesians 2.10, he says that, for we are his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We have rights, beautiful, glorious, wonderful rights. But apart from those rights, we also have responsibilities. So as a, as a son, you have rights. But as a servant of God, you have responsibilities. He's made the Lord of our lives for the purpose of us being servants to him and for him telling us what to do and fulfilling his purpose, fulfilling his agenda. God has an agenda and he needs his servants to be in on it to make his agenda come to pass. So as sons and daughters of God, we have every right to enjoy ourselves in the Lord. That is by grace. That is by grace that he saved through faith. Salvation is by grace. As for that one, there's no problem with that. We are saved by grace. But then we are bought as slaves as our during our new birth or at our new birth. We are saved as sons and daughters by grace, but then we are bought in our new birth at the same time as slaves or as servants of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Can you imagine? This you are not yours. You don't belong to yourself. <laughs> you are not your own. This is, don't you know what? No, you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Your, whole, your body, your whole body is not yours. Can you imagine? So you can't take your body to do whatever you want. There's an owner. Look at the next verse. Verse 20. It says, for you are bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit belong to God. They don't belong to you. They are for God. For you are bought with what? With a price. You are bought with a price. The word bought there is ex agorazo. Hallelujah. And it means marketplace. A market. You know, during those times, they had slave markets. Okay. Well, their markets was not only for buying fish, tomatoes, and meat, and pepper, but they also sold slaves. So this particular word here means that you were bought as a slave from the slave market of sin. 
to Christ, to God. God bought you. He says, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 21. 1 Corinthians 7, 21. He says, And thou called being a servant, care not for it. But if thou mayest be free, be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. <laughs> Next verse. Then it says, ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servant of men. Ye are bought with a price. We are bought with, with a price. For what purpose? So that we can come and serve our Lord. Okay? So whether you like it or not, you became a servant of God at your new, at your new birth. You didn't just become a child of God. That's, that's on one side. But on the other side, you became a servant of God. So you must awaken to the reality of this fact that you are a servant of God and that your Lord has an aim for buying you. Nobody buys a servant for nothing. Nobody gets a maid servant for nothing. Nobody gets a maid servant to come and sit in the house and then he will cook for that servant, watch TV, do everything for the servant. No, you get a servant for a purpose, to come and work. So this exposes you to the work aspect of our life as children of God. We have work to do. There's work to do. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Look at Matthew 28, 18. Don't let anybody lie to you that you can just go to church and come back home and go to church and come back home and do whatever you want to do for years and years and years without doing anything for the Lord. And that will be okay. You've been lied to. It's not true. Look at this. Matthew 28, 18. It says, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Or all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Then he said to them, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This is the aim of the Lord. He wants everybody to hear about him. He wants the whole world to hear about him. Okay? There are several aspects to it. In this particular, it's called the Great Commission. In the Great Commission is evangelism, is church growth, church planting, church building. Do you see? All those things are found. It says, go out there and teach all nations. Teach the word nations is ethnos. Teach every group. So if you're a lawyer, you are sent to a group of lawyers. You must make sure they are not just doing law, but then they are getting saved. And becoming active in the things of God. Hallelujah. That is God's aim. God's aim is for the church, for his body to be built. The body of Christ to be built. If you read in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Look at Ephesians 4 11. God is not going to do this on his own. He's looking for you and I. He wants his servants to be in on it. To get that done. To get that accomplished. So he says, you go. All authority has been given to me. You go therefore and teach all nations. Teach all the people that are around you. Teach them whatsoever I've taught you. You can't teach them in one day. You can't. It's a lifetime. It's a lifetime teaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at Ephesians 4.11. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. You see, he gave gifts to men. He says he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers who are gifts to the body of Christ. For what purpose? 
so that he can develop, those people can develop, help develop the body of Christ. This is for the perfection of the saints, or for the full maturing of the saints, or for the full equipping of the saints. The word is catatismos. The word perfection is catatismos. It means to fully equip the saints, to give them all the things that they require. All the things that they require. Hallelujah. Look at the Amplified. The Amplified says his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people. So he wants all his, oh, not some, not some of the children of God, but all, all of his children. Every child of God. Message. Let's look at the message of this verse. Verse 11. So that makes more sense. Filled earth with his gifts, he handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and, and pastor teacher. Next verse. To train Christians in skilled servant work. Working within Christ's body, the church. To train Christians, not some Christians. All Christians. In skilled servant work. Working within Christ's body, the church. Hallelujah. So whether you like it or not, as a child of God, you are a servant of God. And you have a responsibility towards God. And you see, as sons, we are not judged. But as servants, we are judged. But as a servant, on the day of Christ, on the day we stand before the Lord, the questions will be along the lines of, what did you do for me? What did you do with what I told you to do? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, look at 2 Corinthians 5, 10. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. He's talking about the body of Christ. Remember, he says he gave apostles, prophets, and all of that for the purpose of perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry. Then for them to edify the body. Go back. Let's go back to that place and let me show you to you. Ephesians 5, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, we are the ones to do the work of the ministry. Every child of God is to do the work of the ministry. Remember, it says for servant, every Christian to do servant, Christian servant work. Every child of God. So, God is going to check if you did what he said you should do in his body. Hallelujah. And that is what the judgment is all about. So, on that day when we stand before him, he's going to ask you, did you live for me? Did you do what I told you to do as my servant? So as servants, we are judged as servants. But as sons, we are not judged. We are placed as sons and made heirs as sons and crowned as sons on that day. But as servants, we are judged. We are questioned. The Lord will sit and question you and find out, what did you do? I gave my life for you. What did you do? The earlier you are waking to this reality in your life as a child of God, the better. I always say it. There are some things that you are not so certain of. You are not so certain if you, ever, if you even ever get married. You are not so certain if you ever have a child. We put our faith to work for all those things. All the things that we have is brought to us through faith. Hallelujah. But there's one thing that you are certain of. You are certain of your death. You will not be here forever. Even if you are raptured, it is still not being here forever. You will not be here forever. One day you will meet your Lord. Whether by death or by rapture. If you believe in immortality, you will be raptured. Yet you will still meet him. If you don't believe in immortality and you die, or you believe in immortality but then you die anyways, makes no difference. We are still going to meet the Lord. What are you going to say to him? What plans do you have? What are your plans? I don't know what your plans are. He's not going to judge you as a son. As sons, we are all with him. 
<laughs> but as servants, we are not all with him. I'm going to show you some more as we go on. Hallelujah. So brothers and sisters, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Verse 11. Then he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also made manifest in your consciences. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. When he talks about this judgment, he says there's some terror related to it. There's some terror related to it. You see. I'm going to share with you along those lines. Don't worry. We have so much time. So, fear not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, you must awaken to that reality. Okay? Our Lord has what? He has a name. What is his aim? He wants his body to be built up. He wants many. How is his body built up? By including many people. That's how you build the body of Christ up first for the start. You bring more people in. So, he wants the gospel. He says, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached everywhere. In all nations, everybody must get to hear it. It is our responsibility to make sure everybody in the, in the world gets to hear it. And make them a part of the body of Christ. And grow them. We must grow them. It says, so we all come in the energy of the faith. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read 12 into 13 now. It says, for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. For the build up of the body of Christ. Next verse. So we all come in the energy of the faith. Or in the oneness of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is what he's looking for. He wants all of us to mature. Basically, that's what he's saying. He wants all of us to come to maturity. He wants people to be born again and come in. And for them to mature when they come in. And he's depending on you and I to get that done. And on that day, he will ask us questions along that. This is why he made you a servant. This is why he saved you. He saved you for a purpose. He saved you so that you'll be his servant. And so that you'll do what he has designed for you to do. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts 1 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Have you seen it? Yeah. But you shall, be, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall speak in tongues. Is that what he said? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you and you shall eat pizza. No. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be very rich. No. That's, not what, that's not the reason. All those things are on the signs of your rights. But he gives us the Holy Spirit for the purpose of responsibility, fulfilling our responsibility in Christ. He says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses both unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Your Jerusalem is your immediate environment. Your, some, your Judea is around you, some, a place that is not so far away from you. Your Samaria is people from other places, other countries. Then uttermost part of the earth. He wants you to preach to the whole world. Isn't it amazing? So if someone is not doing this, it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is not in his, in his life, actually. You can be speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues. Always remember that. The Holy Spirit gives you a language for speaking in tongues. But he himself is not speaking in tongues. He gives you a language to communicate with him. And to communicate with God. Okay? But that is not him. The, so the fact that you speak in tongues does not mean that you are in contact with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is really in your life, you will be a witness. I tell you. You will be a witness. He says he wants you to be a, a witness, a testifier of the fact that he exists. And testify before many people, before, before many men. Hallelujah. 
So don't, don't make any mistake about it. This is it. This is what God has said. It says, but charity power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem. Witnesses with your life, with your testimony, with your mouth. And in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, 20. He says, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. And confirming the word of science following. They went everywhere. They went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word of science following. This is what our life is all about. If you're a Christian, this is your responsibility. Don't say, I have a responsibility of playing guitar. It's powerful. But that is not the only thing. He didn't say, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall play guitar in the church. No. We need people to play guitar in the church. We need people to play keyboard in the church. But after all is said and done, what everybody, all of us, have a ministry from God, have a responsibility given to us from God. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile all men unto him. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read from verse 17. Immediately you get born again, he gives you a responsibility. He gives you something to do. He gives us rights, but then he gives us a responsibility. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Are you, are you in Christ? Yeah. He says, you're a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all these things, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Immediately he reconciles you, he gives you a ministry of reconciliation. Can you imagine? Let's read the Amplified of this to help you. But all things are from God, who through Jesus reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. This is our responsibility. By word and by deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. Brother, if you don't respond to this, if you don't awaken to this reality that you are a servant of God and you have a responsibility towards him, you are in trouble. When he comes a second time, he will ask you, what did you do with my first coming? What did you do with it? What did you do with it with respect to your responsibility? Hallelujah. Awaken to the fact that you are a servant of God. It's a fact. Whether you know it or not, makes no difference. It's just like gravity. Whether you like it or not, gravity is existent. You can say, I've never seen gravity before. I've never felt gravity before. Don't worry. Jump off the cliff and see what will happen. It is there. It exists. If you go against it, it will show you that it exists. That's how these things are. You may not see any physical thing around you that says that, hey, you must preach the gospel. You must bring other people to Christ. You must make sure. I mean, what else is our, what else is our use in the kingdom of God? What else is our use? As you grow, you help others grow. You must refer others to, be, to come online, to be in church, to grow. You see, sometimes you see someone in another church, the person is not growing. He's a Christian, but he's not growing. He's not hearing anything. He's not seeing anything. You must refer the person. You must stay in this place. You must listen to this particular thing. Refer them to the word of God that you are hearing that is helping you for them to grow as well. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I like this. Let's read it again. 2 Corinthians 5.18. Amplified. It says, but all things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and by deed we might aim to bring others 
into harmony with him. Others. Bring others into harmony with him. This on one side. After you brought them into harmony with him, you must help them grow in Christ. Wow, what a responsibility. What a responsibility. You know, God could have allowed Jesus to leave a certain sign in the heavens to show that he exists, that God exists, and he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for the world, and that he is the true God. But he didn't do that. He left us his word and sent human beings like you and I, you and I, to share the word, to share that with others. If you sit on what you know, the other person will not get to hear the information. And God will ask it from you. Let me show you a scripture. In Acts, Acts chapter 20. Let's read from verse 18. Okay, let's read from verse 17. I think you... This is about Paul. He says, And from Meletus he sent to Ephesus, Acts twenty seventeen, and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying weight of the Jews. Have you seen it? He says, serving the Lord. I've been serving the Lord with all what? With all humility of mind. Paul was so conscious about his serving, the fact that he was a servant of God. So conscious of it. Keep your finger here. Let me show you some scriptures and we'll come back to this. Okay? Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. I'm talking about Paul now. Paul and his consciousness of his servanthood, his responsibility towards God. He was conscious of it and he was ready to fulfill it. And he did all that he was supposed to do. For his generation to hear the word. For his generation to get to know Jesus. It is to all men I became all things. I became all things to all men. So that I might be able to save some. That is Paul. This Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Have you seen it? He calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ. He knew, he was aware that he was a servant of Jesus Christ. He was aware, he was conscious of it. He had awakened to that reality, to that fact. That I'm a, I'm a servant of God. He didn't only awake to the fact that he, he, God was his father and that he was a child of God. He also knew that he was a servant of God. And that he had responsibility towards God. Do you know that you have responsibility towards God? This morning God is telling you that you have responsibility towards him. You have a great responsibility towards him. And you must fulfill your purpose. You must fulfill his purpose here on earth. Let me show it to you. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Let's read Philippians 1 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. You see, he calls himself servants. He and Timothy were servants. They knew. They knew that they had a responsibility towards God. They didn't say Paul and, didn't say Paul and Timothy, sons of God. No. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 9. He was so conscious. Paul was so conscious of that. He was so conscious of that. So conscious of it. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. He was into serving God with his spirit. He was into serving. He knew that he was a servant of God, and he knew that he had a responsibility of serving. Serving. Acts chapter 27, verse 22. Look at Acts 27, 22. I'm giving you more scriptures. Acts 27, 22. It says, And now I exhort you to be, to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. You remember, this is the time when Paul was, was being taken from one place to Rome. 
you know, and he told them earlier that there was going to be a loss of the ship and of their lives. And they said they don't care, and they moved on. When they were losing their ship, they, were lo- they had lost all the things and all of that, Paul said something, okay? Look at verse 22 once again. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Next verse. For there stood by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Whose I am and whom I serve. He was conscious of that, that he was serving God. Wow. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. Whose I am and whom I serve. Paul says, I thank God whom I serve with my, from my forefathers with pure conscience. Wow. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. That without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers. So the guy was really conscious of it. And he knew. Why was he so conscious of it? He knew that he was going to give an account. Do you know you, as a servant, you give an account? I mean, you have a servant in your house. And you give him or her a responsibility of maybe cleaning the car, washing the car, or washing the plates, or doing something, and you come back and he or she has not done it. What will you do? It's a big problem. We've had all kinds of things happening across the world. Things have been done to servants across the world in time past. It's not a small thing. Because as a servant, your, your main <laughs> responsibility is to work. And to account for that work that you work. That, that task that you are given. So Paul knew that because he was a servant, there was going to be a day of accountability. So he did all that he was supposed to do. So in 1 Corinthians 15.10, look at 1 Corinthians 15.10. Paul said something there. It's nice. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abandoned than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was me. I labored. He was into laboring to fulfill the purpose of God for his life because he knew that there was going to be a day of accountability. A day where Jesus would sit down and look at his face and ask him, you do all that I ask you to do. What are you going to say? Maybe you've not been conscious of this all this while. You thought Christianity is all about enjoyment. Going to church and coming back. You know, you know, it's not supposed to be like that. You can't stay in the house of God for more than three months and not awaken to the responsibility that you have towards God. You do have a responsibility towards God. And I've showed it to you. You have a responsibility of bringing many, sending the gospel out, bringing many in, and raising them in the Lord. It's our responsibility. And we share it together. Hallelujah. Go back to Acts. Acts chapter 20. If you remember, we are reading Acts chapter 20. We started from verse 17, isn't it? We got to verse 19. So let's continue from verse 19. It says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and I've taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul is showing us what he did. He says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward all, all faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me; neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course. He knew that he had a course; he had something to do. 
He had a calling from God. Everybody has a calling from God, brother, sister. You have a calling from God. Are you fulfilling your course? He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, not the ministry that I made for myself, the ministry that I received of the Lord Jesus, the Lord gave him a ministry. He gives all, all of us a ministry. Then he says, to testify the grace, the gospel of the grace of God. Next verse. Verse 25. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Continue. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Next verse. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Wow! Have you shunned to declare all the counsel of God to someone you're supposed to have shared the gospel of God to? To your Jerusalem, those in your Jerusalem, those in your Judea, those in your Samaria. What have you done with them? Paul says, I am pure. I hold you to record this day. Verse 26. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure. I am pure from the blood of all men. What was he talking about? What was Paul talking about? You see, because if you are told to tell somebody about Jesus Christ and you don't do it, you'll be held accountable on that day. Their blood will be required of you. Ezekiel chapter 3. Let me show it to you. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of at my mouth and give them warning from me. He says, I have made you a watchman. Remember, all of us have been made watchmen. We are God's servants and hence his watchmen. We are the ones he has sent to the whole world. Not to some people, to the whole world. Ezekiel was sent to Israel. So he was going to give account concerning Israel. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Next verse. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. I will require his blood at your hand. He says, if I tell you to say to the wicked man that he's going to die in his iniquity, and you don't tell him, you don't say it to him, he will die in his iniquity. But I will require his blood at your hand. Next verse, verse 18. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Can you imagine? Thou hast what? Delivered thy soul. If you tell him, I tell you to warn him, and you tell him what I told you to tell him, you share the gospel with him, and he rejects you, he will die. But you have redeemed your own soul. Thou hast delivered thy soul. You have saved yourself. So God tells you to, to he tells us to preach the gospel. To raise people in Christ. Sometimes God will bring someone into your life and let you know that this, I want you to raise this person. Help this person get to know me better. If you do it, you have a reward. If you don't do it, he says, I'll require some things from you on that day. I'll require some things from you on that day. You give account. So Paul says that, Charlie, at bear record, come, everybody, I've told you what I'm supposed to tell you. I have not shown to preach unto you all the counsel of God. All the counsel of God. Go back to that place. Go to verse 26. Acts 20, 26. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. That was why Paul said that. I am pure from the blood of all men. Next verse. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Sometimes you sit in a taxi and you sit by somebody and the Holy Spirit pushes you. Say something to him. Or say something to her. And you say, you say in your mind, I'm shy. 
these things, they are not for me. I'm not yet grown in the Lord. No. Remember, he gives us our responsibility. Immediately we get born again. The best time to preach the gospel is immediately you get born again. When the woman at the well received the Lord and his word, immediately she went into the city and preached the gospel. Hallelujah. So don't say you are too young. Don't say you are, you are not, you don't know much. The little you know, share to somebody. If you share with a person, a person rejects you. He says, you have delivered your, your soul. You have delivered your soul. He will not require his blood from you. But if you don't, he says, I require his blood from you. That's why Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we want every man. We know that one day, some people's blood will be required from us. God will ask us questions. What about this person? And he will bring the picture to you. You remember this person? This person came to pass by you the last time in August 17th. 2005 and I was actually I actually pushed you to talk to her I told you to talk to her and God will show you the video I told you to talk to the person you didn't say anything now this is where the person is now the person is in hellfire because you didn't say anything because as soon as the person left you two days later he died and is is in hell we've had experiences like that we've had experiences like that wow hallelujah I don't know if you are quiet or you are surprised. The sober moment. So Paul knew. Paul, Paul, Paul knew about it. So he did everything possible to win as many as he could. Win as many as he could. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. Let me show you the scripture. 1 Corinthians 9. Let's read from verse 16. 1 Corinthians 9, 6 says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. And it says, For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Can you imagine? He says, Woe unto me, woe unto me is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Let's read the amplified of this. For if I merely preach the gospel, that gives me no reason to boast. For I feel compelled of necessity to do it. Woe is me if I do not preach the glad tidings, the gospel. Woe unto me. Woe unto me. This is... Um, message, message version says, if I proclaim the message, it's not to get something out of it for myself. I'm compelled to do it and doomed if I don't. Paul knew. He knew. So he always called himself a servant of the Lord. I serve the Lord with my spirit. From my forefathers, I've been serving the Lord. The angel of the Lord stood before me, whose I am and whom I serve. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse, back to King James. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Hallelujah. Wow. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain them that are weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. He wanted to save people. Get people born again. Get people raised for the Lord. Awaken to that reality, brother, sister. 
Because there's some judgment waiting for you and I. I tell you. You can't swerve it. You see, maybe you are into swerving things. You've been swerving things from secondary school to university and things. You've been paying bribe for some things. For you, you paid a bribe for uh, an exam to pass an exam. You can't do that at heaven in heaven on that day. Who will you pay to? <laughs> on that day, the Lord will sit on the seat of judgment to judge Christians. I'm not talking about. Remember, I told you about judgment. I'm talking about the judgment for children of God. The judgment for children of God. There's something. There's something by it. There's something. I don't know if I should go into those things. But there's some, there's some terror related to it. Let me show it to you. I think, let me just show it to you. So that, um, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 3. Let's read from verse 11. For our foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is, Christ, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Whether your work was made of wood, hay, or stubble, gold, silver, or precious stones. He says it will be made, that day will reveal it. It shall be revealed by fire. On that day the Lord will sit. The Lord's eyes are full of fire. He, he will sit, and you will stand. It will be one by one. Everybody, all of us will stand before him as servants of God, not as sons. Not as sons. We'll be there as his servant. And we'll be there to give account for our lives. What we did for him. And the question will be, I loved you to the point that I gave my life for you. What did you do in return? Did you do what I asked you to do? And you, you'll, be, you'll be there. All your works to come. All the things that you did whilst you were here on earth. In his body. If you were bad in his body, it will show up. If you were good in his body, it will show up. If you were building with gold, it will show up. If you are building with silver, it will show if you are building with precious stones to show on that day. Look at Revelation chapter 1 verse, verse 18. Revelation 1 18. I am he that liveth. This is Jesus. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Next verse. Okay, go to verse 14. Go to verse 14. Yeah. This is John when he saw Jesus in his glorified form. He says, his head and his hairs were white like wool. He's describing Jesus now. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Jesus' eyes were like a flame of fire. Wow. So on that day, he will sit, and with his eyes, he will look deep into your eyes and ask you that question. I live for you. What did you, live? What did you do for me? Did you live for me, or you live for yourself? And all your work will come up. So if you read back in... 1 Corinthians 3, we're in verse 13. Now it says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be reviewed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Verse 14. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So if after he's met you, your work abide, he says you shall receive a reward. There are rewards for servants. If you do what you're supposed to do, he reward you with crowns, with medals, with thrones. There are thrones for us to sit on. I'll talk about all those things. There are cities for us to rule. There are crowns for us to wear. There are medals for us to have. Then he says, if any man's work shall be burned, if your work is burned, he says, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. He shall be saved, yet so as 
by fire. It means that you shall, we shall all be passed through that fire of his eyes. And that fire shall burn some people. Yes. This, if any man's way shall, shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. In other words, he himself will have to go to the fire as well. Wow. That's, I don't know if the amplified or message will tell us. But if any, man, if any person's work is burned up under the test, he will suffer the, the, the loss of it all, losing his reward, though he himself will be saved, but only as one who has passed through fire. Have you seen it? Only as one who has what? Passed through fire. In other places, it talks about being head of the second death. You'll be head of the second death. All those things have meanings. I'll try and explain all those things with you for you as we go. Hallelujah. Look at the message. I don't know what the message will say. Verse 15. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You will survive. But just barely. You will barely survive. Wow. If I were you, I would awaken to this reality. This fact. This fact. It's a fact. You can't run away from it whether you're a businessman or you are president or you're a minister or you're what? Whether you're a minister of lakes and stars or a chief of whatever. On that day, he will stand before If you are born again, on that day, you will stand before him. And he will ask you questions. Pastor is saying NIV. Do you have NIV? Okay. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved. But only as one escaping through the flames. Escaping through the flames. Wow. So awaken to that reality. Okay. Awaken to the reality of the fact that you are a servant of God. You are a servant of God. And you will be asked questions along your servanthood. Look at First Peter chapter 2 verse 15. We are servants, so. and our Lord is expecting us to live for Him. For so is the will of God that with well doing, He may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Verse 16. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Let's read it in the Amplified. For it is God's will and intention that by doing right, your good and honest lives should silence, muzzle, gag the ignorant charges and ill-informed criticisms of foolish persons. He says, with your good life, with your good character, you will silence and gag all those who talk foolishly about Christians. Then he says, live as free people, yet without employing your freedom as a pretext for wickedness, but live at all times as servants of God. Live at all times as servants of God. Wow. Live at all times as servants of God. You see, our Lord, Jesus Christ, is expecting us to live for him at all times. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13. 2 Corinthians 5, 13. We have to live for him. He says, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we will be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrained us. Because with that judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So he's expecting to live for him. Do you understand what I'm saying? He, says, he, he wants us to live as the servant of God all times, at all times, at all times, at all times. He's expecting you. It's an expectation from the Lord for you to live, to live for him. He says he died so that those who live will no longer live unto themselves, but live unto him that died and rose again. He wants you to live for him. 
You can't live for yourself. Remember, he says that your body is not yours. He says that your spirit is not yours. Your body and your spirit are for God. So you can't use your body to do whatever you please. It's for him. And he's expecting, he's the reason why he died. He died so that you will not live for yourself. Brother, I don't know, maybe you're living for yourself. He's telling you that he doesn't want you to live for yourself. You are li- as soon as your body tells you, let's do this, you do it. You feel like smoking, you smoke. You, you allow your body to rule your life. No, you're a servant of God. And as a servant of God, he will ask you what you did in your body as well. What did you do with your body? You see, understand this. There's a difference between entering the kingdom of God and inheriting the kingdom of God. They are not the same. In John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 5. Look at John 3, 3 and 5. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he said something to him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The born again experience is what makes the kingdom of God real to you. When we talk about it, people think it's not, it's, it's not real. It's like, it's like it doesn't exist, but it exists. It's there. As soon as you give your life to Christ, you begin to see it. It becomes real to you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually designed. His, the natural man's mind, his mind is clouded. He cannot see anything concerning the kingdom of God. Do you see? He says, because they are spiritually designed. That's why Jesus said, Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Look at verse 5. John 3, now jump to verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So immediately become born again, your eyes are open, you see the kingdom of God, and then you, ha- you are given an entrance. You enter into the kingdom of God. You come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. I nearly said Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 22. But they are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. He didn't say we are going to go. He said we have come. But they are come unto Mount You have arrived. The day you become born again, you arrive on that mountain of God. He says, but they are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, next verse, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. This is the location you found yourself. You are born into Mount Zion, with many angels around you, with God himself there, the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's where we live. That's where we walk. Hallelujah. In him we live and move and have our being. We live in him. We move in him and we have our being in him. Hallelujah. So we are there. You come there. But then after you've entered, there's another aspect of the kingdom of God where you inherit the kingdom of God. If you don't live for the Lord, if you don't live, you see, we live for the Lord. We don't live for the Father. We live for the Lord. We live for our Lord, our Master. We live under the control and impulses of our Master. Under the commands, the instructions of our Master. If you start seeing him as your Master, what he says will be very important to you. If you just see him as your Father, you will not mind so much. A lot of us don't mind what our Father says. Because you know that whatever you do, he will forgive you. But if you start seeing him as your Master, you know that if you do something, he will reprimand you. You'll be punished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's read from, what, where do you, let's read from verse 9. Let's read from verse 9. I think it will help us. 1 Corinthians 6 from verse 9. He says, knowing not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Have you seen it? So all those who are unrighteous or who practice unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Go to 1 John 3, 7. He says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Even as he is righteous. Okay, go to verse 6. Go to verse 6. He says, Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. Have you seen it? Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. Next verse. Then he says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. Have you seen it? Do not be deceived. Don't think that you can be born again and be engaging in yourself in all kinds of foolishness and everything is okay. No, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. Even as he is righteous. He says the one who sinned does not know him. Because the one who abides in, in him sinned not. But if you're a child of God and you're living for yourself, what your flesh tells you is what you do. You're engaging in all kinds of things. You say, I confess and you forgive me. It's true, you confess, you forgive you. But remember, you are losing your reward. Because whatever, whatever time you spend doing that foolish thing is the same time you could have been using to do something else for the Lord. So you missed the reward. You engage yourself in that foolishness. You confess, he forgave you. But then remember that you lost the reward. If there's something to be sad about, it's to be sad about the fact that you are losing your rewards. By engaging in unrighteousness. He says that don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Go back to that place. First Corinthians. I don't know if you like my message. First Corinthians. Because there are a lot of people who are saying that, oh, there's grace. There's grace. We can do whatever. Grace does not work that way. Grace is not like. Look at Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Look at Titus 2 11. So that you don't mess things. You don't mess things up. He says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. This is the grace of God that brings us salvation. It has appeared to all men. Next verse. Teaching us that denying ungodliness. This is what grace teaches. It teaches that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Next verse. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. This is what grace teaches. It says denying ungodliness and worldly lust. How can... Grace teach you to accept worldly lust and live in worldly lust. It doesn't work like that. Grace forgives you and empowers you to stand for the Lord the next time that thing comes. That's what grace does. Teaching us the grace of God that, that brings salvation has appeared unto us. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why? Because he knows that if you live unrighteously, you will deny yourself of your inheritance. So back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So you can live, you are a righteous man, but then you can live unrighteously. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters. Do you understand fornicators? Okay. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, 
nor adulteress, nor effeminate. Not, like you should be afraid. As a child of God, you should be afraid of some of these things. Not so comfortable in it with the gear of, oh, when I do it and I confess, you forgive me. You are, because it's faithful and just to forgive. It's true. It's faithful and just to forgive. But that is not what he teaches you. So you lose all your reward. Someone will say, I don't mind losing my reward. Okay. When you get there, then you see. You've, you see what you lost. You know, one South Korean pastor was taken to heaven. You know, and uh, he's even written a book on it. And he was given an, an, an experience, um, a tour of heaven. He saw nice places in heaven, thrones and nice houses and all of that. Then the angel told him that I want to show you another place. So they drove very far away. They went very, very, very far, very, 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 very far away. In fact, when we were going, he said the whole place was dark. But as you enter, it becomes, it lights up. The whole place was dark. From afar, from where he was in glory, when he checked that place, it was very far. And as they got close, he saw warehouses. Plenty of warehouses. And then he went to those, those warehouses. And when he got there, they got there, they saw the warehouses having hen coops inside. Do you know a hen coop? Go and look for it online if you don't know it. Hand coops, very small, 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 small places. And so he thought it was for chicken or something. Because that's how it is in this world. He got closer. The angel told him, get closer and look. When he looked, he saw people in there. They were still in heaven. It's called outer darkness. And they were living in outer darkness. And he told him, look closely. You see some preachers in there. And he looked closely and he saw some preachers he knew in there. Read about Rejoiner's book, The Final Quest. You see it. Look for the white throne judgment. You see all these, some of these things there. Not one person, it's not one person who has seen it. Many people who have had an experience with heaven. I don't know where, this is where I'm going to spend eternity. And you have an opportunity to choose. Is that sex big, good enough? Is it more exciting than your inheritance? I'm not talking about God forgiving you. As for God, God the Father has forgiven you, but God the judge will not give you your inheritance. You will lose your inheritance. That's the truth. You will lose your inheritance. Yes. You've exchanged the feeling of excitement, of smoking, of all of that. that you must fight to stop smoking. You must fight. You must fight to be spiritual. You must fight. He says, all these disciples shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the truth. There's more, more scriptures. First Corinthians 6, 9, right? right? It says, neither fornicators, no idolaters, no adulterers, no effeminate, no abusers of themselves with mankind, no thieves. They are thieves, children of God who are thieves. You come to the house of God, you come and steal a tablet, you come and steal a phone, yeah. and all of that. You steal something from the church. You are not afraid. No thieves, no covetous, no drunkards, no revilers, no extortionists. Let's read the Amplified of this particular place. No cheats, swindlers and thieves. They are Christian swindlers. Swindling ladies. Hmm? I love you. I don't know what I'll do without you. Then you tell this one, you tell this other one, you tell this other one, and you tell this other one. And you're playing all of them. The Lord is watching you. I said the Lord is watching you. Nor cheats, swindlers and thieves, nor greedy graspers, nor drunkards. Do you understand a drunkard? You're a Christian, you're into boozing. You're a boozite. No foul mouth revilers and slanderers, those who are into insulting Christians, oh, born again children of God, insulting and saying all kinds of things. Shit man, fuck man. Yeah, you can say shit man and fuck man easily without thinking about it twice. 
Yeah, I said it. Don't worry, I said it. <laughs> no extortioners and robbers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. They will not have any share in the kingdom of God. Then it goes on, and such were some of you. Let's read the King James. He says, and such were some of you. Meaning that he's not expecting you to continue along this line. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of, God, of our God. So he's washed you, he's sanctified you, he's not expecting you to continue along that line. So cease from continuing along that line. This is from because you lose your inheritance. Go to Galatians chapter 5. There's more. Galatians 5, 19. There's more. More scriptures along that line. So entering is, as for entering, you have entered. But inheriting, that you inherit a land in heaven or a land with God. Forget it. You inherit a crown with God. There are thrones that have been set for all of us to sit on. I'll share with you thrones. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Since I've told you this already, and I'm saying it again, they who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So inheriting the kingdom of God is a completely different thing altogether. God, that's why he says, I'm expecting you to live for me. He died so that those who live will no longer live unto themselves, but unto him that died. Yes, I know that these bottoms is very big. It's very attractive. But if you're able to say no, you'll get, you get your reward for saying no. Yeah. I know it's like you are, so, you are struggling so much. And the only thing you can do is to steal. But if you say no to stealing and stay for the Lord and serve him in that hunger, you will get your reward. Yeah, you will get your reward. I know that things, times are hard. As a lady, it's difficult. You don't have money for a lot of things. A big man will come and say to you, baby, you know I love you. I have money. I'll sponsor you for the rest of your life. You want to go to school? You can go to school abroad. You can do whatever you want to do. The condition is that I sleep with you every, every week. Three times every week. Oh, I don't know. Lord, you are you understand. You understand, Lord. You know my condition. You don't believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in, you believe in physical things. You believe in the big man more than you believe in Jesus. You think he can't provide for you? Put your faith to work. Rely on him. No matter what. Listen, prostitutes came from being prostitutes to become Christians. And stayed, even when they didn't have money. They didn't go back into prostitution. You who is already, you are, you are in the Lord. You're, you are not actually struggling much. Your struggle is not much. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. These things are, it's called suffering for the Lord. These are the sufferings of the, for the Lord. Do you understand? Okay, let me show you. Go to Philippians 1 first of all. Then we'll go to the one in 1 Peter. Philippians chapter 1. Let's read from, from verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. Let's read the Amplified. It will be better. Only be sure as citizens so to conduct yourselves that your manner of life will be worthy of the good news. How is that foolish thing that you have allowed to, yourself to engage in? That secret that you have. How is that making you worthy of the good news? Your life. What life are you living? Please, you understand what I'm saying? 
Okay, so that your man of life will be worthy of the good news, the gospel of Christ. So that whether I do come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear this of you, that you are standing firm and united in spirit and purpose, striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings. That is the gospel. Next verse. And do, and do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. For such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof and seal to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that from God. You understand? It's like when, when people are saying that, oh, you, you, this is what we are doing to survive, and you are not doing some. Okay? He says, your resoluteness to stay with what God has said, to be your life to be some, a life that proclaims the gospel. The Bible says that all those who live godly, okay, in this life will be persecuted. That's, the Bible, that's what the Bible says. All those who live godly, if you are going to live godly for the Lord, like I was saying the last time, which is you have to train yourself along that line. It says that you, you will be persecuted. And no matter what's going on, it says stand fearlessly. That stance that you have, that no matter what, I'm not going to cheat. No matter what, I'm not going to steal. No matter what, I'm going to stay pure for the Lord. It says it will be, it's an evident token of their impending destruction. And for you, it is a clear sign that you have really been saved. That your salvation is pure. Next verse. Look at verse 29. For you have been granted the privilege for Christ's sake, not only to believe in, to believe in, adhere to rely on and trust in him, but also to suffer in his behalf. We are not just called to believe. Look at the King James. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. These are some of the things that you go through. Go through. You are not getting, you are, you are 30, 32. No marriage is coming. Oh, why don't you get pregnant? And then, you know, just get pregnant. Go and get pregnant. You need a child. Go and get pregnant. Everybody's saying, get pregnant, get pregnant, get pregnant, get pregnant, get pregnant. If you stay with the Lord and his word, he will honor you. He will honor you. And apart from you being honored here on earth, you'll be honored there in eternal life. He's expecting us to live for him. He wants us to live for him, to be honest with you. Wants us to live for him. There's so much I can show you. So much. I don't know if we have more time. So much I can show you. First Peter chapter. Oh, hallelujah. Let's read from verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the fraud. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God and your grief. Suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it? If when you be buffeted for your faults, or when you are punished for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well, and you suffer for it, and you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. You've not done anything wrong. They say you have done something wrong. And they are punishing you for it. Do you see? He says, what, what profit is there? If when you do something wrong and they punish you, you receive it patiently. You, there's no reward for that. But when you've not done anything wrong, and they say that you have done something wrong. And they're accusing you. And they punish you. And you take it patiently. Says there's, there's a reward for you. It is acceptable with God. Then it says for what glory? Okay, go to the next verse 21. For even here unto where you called. This is your calling. This is our calling. For even here unto this where you called. Because Christ also suffered for us. Leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. This is Christ's example that if you, even when you are buffeted or being beaten for something you have not done, be quiet. Can you imagine? Can you do this? There's a reward for it. There's a reward for it. Next verse, verse 22. 
Who did no sin? Neither was guile found in his mouth. Jesus did not do anything wrong. Neither was any guile found. There was no bad thing. He never said anything bad. Those he healed are the ones who beat him and killed him. Yeah, and he, when he was dying, he said, Lord, don't do anything to them. Forgive them. <laughs> Can you do that? That's, he says he wants you to live for him. Next verse. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he was insulted, he did not insult back. When he, when he suffered, he threatened not. You know that kind of Christianity? You are suffering. And he said, hey, is it me that you're laughing at? Ha, 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 I swear Allah. You swear Allah. You swear Allah. You can't swear God. I swear Allah. Ah, you'll see what I'll do to you. When my time comes, you'll see. You've lost all your reward. <laughs> I'll go into some of these things properly. This he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. Brothers and sisters, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. I'm closing. Ephesians 5. Let's read. Oh. Let's read from verse 1. Ephesians 5 from verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us. And has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Next verse. But fornication and uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Have you seen it? Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Verse 5. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. I mean, that's in the mouth of two or three witnesses, is a matter settled. This is the third scripture along this line. And there are more. Many more. So Paul said that, I buffet my body. So that after I preached unto you, I might not be a castaway. Next, next Wednesday, we'll talk about that particular scripture into details. Let's read, let's read this. Ephesians 5, 2. Okay? But in the Amplified this time around. Have you been blessed? Beautiful. It says, and walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Hmm? Esteeming and what? Delighting in one another. Esteeming and delighting in one another. Like enjoy your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Enjoy fellowship with people. Esteem them better than yourself. As a, this is how to live as a servant of God. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us. A slain offering and sacrifice to God for you. So that it became a sweet fragrance. Verse 3. But immorality, sexual vice, and all impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living. Can you imagine? Hmm? All impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living. The Bible says that the one, some people keep wealth unto their own distraction. Yeah, because now you have money, you, you can. Wasteful living. You now you can now do some things. Or greediness must not even be named among you, as it is fitting and proper among saints, God's consecrated people. Verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency, nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk. That's what I want you to see. Foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk. Hey, your breast is looking nice. How does that concern you? How does that concern you? Silly, foolish talks. You are looking sexy. You text somebody, what type of dress are you wearing tonight? How does that concern you? Are you a child of God or are you a demon? (laughs) <laughs> eh? silly and corrupt talk nor cause jesting do you know jesting? jesting, just unnecessary talk unnecessary jokes expensive jokes which are not fitting or becoming 
but instead voice your thankfulness to God. Verse 5. For be sure of this, that no person practicing sexual vice or impurity in thoughts <laughs> or in life <laughs> or impurity in thoughts. You are surprised. Impurity in thought or in life or one who is covetous who has lustful desire for the property of others and is greedy for gain. <laughs> is greedy for gain for he in effect is an idolater. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? No inheritance for you. Wow. Amazing. 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 So brothers and sisters, he's expecting you to live for him as his servant. To be a Christian as his servant. That's what he's expecting. You see, forgiveness, eh? You can be diff- there are different types of servants of God. Okay, let me mention that now close, okay? Different types. What type of servant are you? Are you the unforgiving type? Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Let me share that one with you and then we'll close, okay? Yeah, Matthew 18, 21. There's so much to share, but I think just ending here will be great. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? So seven times. He came to ask Jesus, how many times should my brother sin against me for me to forgive him? Is it so seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee. I say not unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. It is forgiving him seventy times seven, not seven times. Seventy times seven in one day. That's one hundred ninety times in one day. He's expecting you to live. God is expecting you to live for Him. I tell you, He's expecting you to live your life in purity, in forgiveness, walking in in love towards one another. You remember what we read in Ephesians chapter five. It says, walk in love. Esteem the other as a better person than yourself. Yeah. Consider the other person as greater. Don't say, this is how I am. Who does this person think he is? If you step on my toe, you see what I'll do to you. Do you know me? You are a mafia boss. Please. Hallelujah. So, Matthew 18, 21. It says, then came Peter to him. I've read this to you. Go to the next verse. Verse 22. Jesus said unto him, I say unto you, not unto seven times, but until seventy times seven. Verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of a servant. So this is like the judgment day. It is he was going to take account of his servant. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So it's a typical bimacy type of judgment for the servant of the Lord. Is the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain man, a certain king, which would take account of his servants. Verse 24. And when he had begun to reckon or take account, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. So much money. I'm sure the amplifier will give us a figure. Go to the amplifier. Okay, the amplifier says 10,000 talents, probably $10 million. He owed his master $10 million. Probably about $10 million. Okay, go back to King James. Let's go. And when he began to reckon, okay, next verse 25. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Like the guy couldn't pay the money. So the Lord commanded, okay, sell him, sell his wife, sell his children, and everything, and pay, pay the money. Next verse. The servant therefore fell down. This is a servant of the Lord. He fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. 
Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. He was moved with love, with bowel movements for him, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. He forgave him the debt. He forgave him all that he, all that he owed. $10 million. Go away. Go and live with your family and enjoy your wife. Free of charges. Okay, I won't take it again because you apologized. Because you said you are sorry. I've forgiven you. I've had compassion on you. Go. Be blessed. Next verse, verse 28. <laughs> but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Let's find out what money it is in the Amplified. The Amplified says about $20. What is $20 as compared to $10 million? Go back to King James. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me thou, thou, all that thou owest. Pay me now. Next verse, verse 29. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet. Just like he fell down at his, king, his Lord's feet. And besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. $20. Have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. Next verse, verse 30. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison. Till he should pay the debt. How can he pay the debt from prison? He caught him and put him in prison. So he should pay his debt. Next verse, verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, the other servants saw, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgive thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth or angry and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. He was not put into prison alone, but to tormentors, to torment him unto his pace. All the money. Then he says, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If you from your heart forgive not everyone his brother, their trespasses. From your heart, yes, from your heart. If you from your heart do not forgive your brother, he says the Lord will give you over to the tormentors. Brothers and sisters, on that day, listen, people will pass through the fire. Unforgiveness is a terrible thing. It is from your heart. Forgive, no matter what. Be a forgiving servant. Remembering what your Lord has forgiven. You Are you correct? Look at how much you have been forgiven. Why can't you forgive that other person? You are holding a grudge. When you see him, then your heart is beating. There's something wrong. He says, forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive all those who trespass against us. He forgives you as you forgive. He says, if you bring a gift to the Lord and you remember that you have something against another person, leave it down and go. And go and reconcile to your brother before you come and come and give your gift. He he knows your heart, so he says, leave the gift down at the church and go and go and reconcile and then come and give your gift. He knows that if you take it out, you will not come back. Hallelujah. Forgive. Esteem one another better. There's a reward for it. There is a reward for it. There is a reward for forgiving out of your heart, forgiving other servants. Because listen, the work of God, our service to him will never be accomplished individually. Be accomplished with others. And if you are with others and you are offended with others, what you have been sent to accomplish together will never work. And both of you will lose your reward. So he says, don't let offense, unforgiveness become a problem for you. Live for him by letting go. What didn't we do to Christ? He forgave us all. He forgave us all. On the cross of Calvary, he said, forgive them. 
They don't know what they are doing. You think it's only Jesus who did that. When Stephen was being stoned by his fellow countrymen, he said, Lord, don't hold it against them. Forgive them. That is love. He wants you to grow in love, mature in love. Because your work, it's the sort of your work. Your work must be covered in love. It's so important to God. That's why he mentioned this particular thing. You from your heart must forgive. Esteem the other better than yourself. Love the other. Paul says something very powerful in Philippians chapter 3. Look at Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, if there be any, therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, he's going to make a request. And he's, he's adding so many things to it. Like, if there's any, if, let's really amplify it, it's nice. I'm closing, my, my time is up. Feel like, no, no, go back to verse 1. So by whatever appeal to you there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ, if there's any appeal that I can make because of our mutual dwelling in Christ, by whatever strengthening and consoling and encouraging our relationship in him affords, by whatever persuasive incentive there is in love, by whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share, and by whatever death of affection and compassionate sympathy. Next verse, verse 2. Fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and one in purpose, having the same love, being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. Have you seen the request? Do, do nothing from factional motives through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interests, but also each for the interest of others. This is Christianity. It says, dwell in harmony. And as you can see, a church and there are factions in the church. This group is not talking to this group. This group is not talking to this group. They are in the same church. That is not a church. It's something else. You are angry. I've seen a church where the women in there are fighting for the post of who will be the women's leader. Yeah, witchcraft comes in and all of that. One woman told me one of them appeared to her physically in her room. Whilst the rooms, the doors were closed. She just came physically there and said, leave the post for me. Can you imagine? Church, the house of God. They will all lose their reward. You will lose your reward. He's expected to live for him by loving your brother and your sister. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lift up your hands wherever you are and thank God for his goodness, for his glory, for what he has shared with you, even in Jesus' name. Receive grace to live for him right now. Grace to be awakened to that reality of your service to the Lord, of you living for him as a child of God, as a servant of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.